Are you tired, mama? Tired of feeling like you have to resign yourself to either being a hot mess mom who's drowning in the chaos of motherhood or a Pinterest perfect mom who looks like she has it all together, but on the inside, she's really miserable. The world keeps telling us that these are the only options, but that is such a lie. You can get out of victim mode and you can make changes to bring more joy to your life. And at the same time, you can find freedom in remembering that you can't control everything and you can stop striving for perfection. I'm Mackenzie Tricola, and I'd love for you to join me every week here on the Practically Joyful Mom podcast to talk about realistic ways to bring more joy to your mom life and how to choose to be joyful even when it feels like the chaos is winning. We'll talk about intentional parenting, simplicity, faith in following Jesus, connecting with your kids, taking care of yourself, and so much more. Are you ready to leave hot mess mom and Pinterest perfect mom in the dust? Are you ready to choose to be a practically joyful mom? Then welcome in, friend. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, friends. I'm Mackenzie. Welcome back to Practically Joyful Mom. I hope that you are having a lovely day, that you are able to find some moments of joy in your day, whatever it looks like, in the midst of all the potential frustrations or difficulties or challenges that you're able to find those little beautiful moments to be able to hold on to and to find joy in. Today I want to talk about an idea that's kind of been in the back of my mind for a while to to talk about in an episode, and that's this idea of it's okay to be different. It seems like there's so much pressure in society, especially for moms, and maybe that's just because I'm a mom, I think it's especially for moms. So anyway, a lot of pressure in society to fit in, to be like everyone else, or at least to look like some specific group. You know, you're this kind of mom or that kind of mom, and so you follow all of these things because you fit in that group. And I just wanted to remind us all today that it's okay to be different. It's okay if your friends homeschool and you don't. It's okay if your friends send their kids to public school and you homeschool. It's okay if your house doesn't look like pictures you see on Instagram or Pinterest because, spoiler alert, that person's house doesn't even look like the pictures that they put up on the internet. Um, Probably a lot of editing, a lot of getting the clutter out of the way first that went into that. It's okay if you let your kids watch or play something that your friend doesn't let their kids watch or play. If you have examined whatever it is and you are okay with that for your family and you don't feel convicted about not letting your kids do it, it's fine to have different things in different families. It's okay if you feed your kids only organic food and everyone else around you is eating differently. It's okay if all your friends feed their kids organic food and you don't. It's okay to not follow all of the advice you read online because honestly, who can, right? You can find advice that says completely contradictory things. So it's okay to be different than the people around you. And before we get too far into this, I just want to take a look at what does that actually mean to be different? So super basic dictionary.com definition says different is not alike in character or quality, distinct in nature. And this idea of distinct in nature, that's like 
you are different. Your very nature is different than other people around you. And I've heard lots of people mention, you know, say the thing of no two snowflakes are ever the same. And I've really kind of thought, oh, that's just a myth. That sounds cool, but how could that really be possible? So I wanted to do a little bit of research on this and see, and not like scholarly hours and hours worth of research, but just a little bit of an internet search. And that led me to this really interesting article uh, from the BBC about why no two snowflakes are ever the same. And they did support this idea that that no two snowflakes really are ever the same. This article talked about in 1885, a scientist named Wilson Bentley. He started, he had this idea to connect a camera to a microscope so he could study snowflakes in more detail. And his research did confirm, suggest, whatever you want to call it, that in fact snowflakes are unique. Of all the snowflakes studied, none of them were the same. This article had a really interesting quotation where it said, because a snowflake's shape evolves as it journeys through the air, no two will ever be the same. Even two flakes floating side by side will each be blown through different levels of humidity and vapor to create a shape that is truly unique. And I think we are like snowflakes. The God who makes snowflakes has made each one of us, and we are all distinct, different, and uniquely designed. Even two friends who are traveling through life side by side will go through different things, will have different experiences, and that will shape each of us differently. It feels so much to me like culture tends to want to put us in boxes to encourage us to be like everyone else or like a certain group. Oh, you're that kind of mom. Oh, you're that kind of friend. Oh, you're that kind of whatever it is. You are into this, so you must be into this other thing as well. But I love what this article said about how snowflakes are each different and why they are. It's because their shape evolves based on their journey through the air. And you are shaped by your journey through life. God didn't put the loving care and intricate detail and design that he did into making you so that you could try to live someone else's life. He made you to be you, to live the life that he calls you to, and not one that society tells you you should want or you should run after. There are tons of verses in the Bible that talk about similar ideas to this, so just really briefly I want to look at um, in Romans 12, so starting in verse 4, it says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And then it goes on to say, like, if your gift is to prophet, is prophesying, then prophesy. If your gift is serving, then serve. If your gift is generosity, give generously, etc. I think this idea that we're each like different parts of a body. We're not the same. If I try to be just like someone else, you know, if she's a hand on the body and I try to be a hand, but I'm really a foot, then we're missing out on that foot. And 
I'm never going to be a very good hand. I mean, if you've ever tried to use your feet as hands <laughs> to pick something up, they're not designed that way. That's not how they're meant to work. Another really similar passage is in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, it says, again, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? If we all try to be like whatever her name is, Sarah, whoever, I don't know, I'm just making up an imaginary person, but if we all try to be like that one person, then we're missing out on all these other things. Where would the sense of smell be? And if the whole body were an ear, uh, oh, sorry, the first one said where would the sense of hearing be? And then if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. And I think we can apply this to so many things in life. God has placed the parts in the body just as he wanted them to be. He has made you just as he wanted you to be. And your story is not going to be exactly like anyone else's. So I think these passages can be a good reminder that God made us to be unique. God made us to be different than anyone else. We don't have to do what someone else is doing just because they're doing it. If God calls us to do that, then yeah, but we don't have to do it just because other people are. And I know I can't be the only one, or I'm guessing I'm not the only one, who has gone through a time of feeling like, oh, I need to change and do this this way because I saw someone else around me doing it that way. And it's not that those other moms are doing anything bad or wrong or, you know, based on the situation. I mean, it doesn't always have to be that. But if that's not what God is calling me to do in my life, then I don't need to feel that pressure to be like someone else. I think it's important here. We have to be able to separate out the voices of culture telling us we have to be like everyone else. We have to fit in from God's voice telling us what he wants us to do and what he wants our specific, unique, individual path through life to be. When we look at Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So don't conform to the pattern of this world. You don't have to just fit in with everyone else just for the sake of fitting in. Renew your mind. Let your mind be transformed, and then you will be able to see what God's will is. The message translation of this says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. God's will for your friends' lives won't be the exact same as his will for your life. Yes, there are some universals. God's will for all of us is to love him, to love others, to grow in the fruit of the spirit, etc. 
but his will individually for your specific life won't look exactly like what he has for anyone else around you. And I think that can free us from this feeling of thinking, oh, she's doing that. I should do that. Oh, she's doing that. I have to do that. In Hebrews 11, this chapter is often called the hall of faith. It goes through and talks about Abraham did this and Moses did this and they were all believing in God and by faith they did all these amazing things, all these uh, New Te- or not New Testament, Old Testament people who we see in the Bible. So you have this list of this person did this by faith in God and this person did this by faith in God. And the very next verse, which is at the beginning of Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race marked out for us. Your race is going to be as unique as you are. When we're looking at those people mentioned in the Hall of Faith, Abraham's race was very different from Moses's race, and Moses's race didn't look like Noah's. All of their races looked very different than Rahab's race. So your race, your path, your journey through life isn't going to look like any of those characters mentioned there, and it doesn't have to look like your friend's race, your parent's race, your neighbor's race, people you follow on social media or wherever on the internet, your race, your journey will look different than others. So how do you know what it looks like to run your race? When I think back to races I've participated in in the past, the course is often marked, not always, maybe there's a map, but a lot of times there's some sort of marking. Where there's a turn, there might be cones or flags or some sort of markers. And I've even done races where, okay, some people are running a 5K, they turn here. Some people are running the 10K, they go this way. The blue flags mark the 5K, the red flags mark the 10K. When you're in the middle of the race, you can't always see the whole course. Maybe you've seen a map and you have it in your head, but you can't physically, visually see the whole course at the same time. Sometimes you can just see the next flag or the next cone. So how do we see the next flag or the next cone in our own races? Stop looking at the flags and the cones in other people's races and we ask God to open up our eyes to the next cone or flag or marker of whatever sort in our own race. If you're running the 5k, if that's your race, you only look for the blue flags. If you're running the 10k, only look for the red. So I think on a practical level, that was maybe a little bit too hypothetical on the practical level, it just means spending less time watching other people's races and more time looking to God to give you direction for your own race. We can get sucked into focusing on someone else's journey, someone else's path, someone else's race, In a lot of different ways, but I think one of the easiest is through the internet, whether it's social media or Pinterest or a blog or a podcast. How many times have you seen or read about what someone else is doing and then you felt like, oh, I need to do that just because they were. 
And maybe God is calling you to start a garden or homeschool or start a business or whatever it is you've just read about. And maybe he's using what you've seen or read to kind of prompt you. But just because you saw someone else doing it and felt the societal pressure to join in doesn't actually mean that it's part of the race marked out for you. I think as we see these things, we need to, you know, I'm not saying don't look at anything on the internet. I love that we live in a time where we can connect, we can get lots of great ideas. But I think we need to kind of keep bringing it back to God and saying, okay, what's my race? What do you want me to do? And I think really to do this super practically, it looks like spend less time online, less time looking at other people's races, whether it's online or just in person watching what other people are doing and spend more time living your own life and asking God, not Google, to give you direction about how he wants you to live. Not how he wants your neighbor or your sister or your friend or someone you follow online to live. And it's not that we can't learn from others, like I said, but we just need to keep bringing it back to God. And when we get some idea from somewhere before pressuring ourselves to follow what someone else is doing and try to run their race, we should be spending time with God and asking him to show us the race that he has for us. Your race will not be the same as anyone else's. Just like each snowflake is different because it follows a different path through the sky, your race will look different than everyone around you. And the thing is, you can't see your race course if you're watching other people run their race. You can only see your race course by asking God to show you the path that he has uniquely put before you. So as a really practical challenge, I think this doesn't have to mean you drastically, you know, change everything about your life, give up the internet. <laughs> and that's not super practical. And even without the internet, we would find ways to look at other people's race and not our own. But I do think on a practical level, it just looks like maybe asking yourself this week, okay, how could I just spend a little less time looking at other people's lives and spend a little more time praying, listening, talking to God, reading his word, asking him to show me what he wants for me. So I hope this encouragement helped to just remember it's okay to be different because you are not called to live anyone else's life. You are freed from that pressure of having to fit in, to keep up, to be like everyone else. It's okay to be uniquely you, your own snowflake on your own race through life and looking to God to lead you, not others to show you a path. I hope this episode was encouraging and helpful. And if it was, I'd love it if you would just share it with a friend, um, share it online if you want to, share it not online, however you want to do it. Um, It just will help more people be able to listen to the podcast and hopefully be encouraged by messages like this one. Thanks for being here, friends. I'm so glad that we got to have this time together.
Thanks for listening today, friends. I hope this episode encouraged and inspired you. If it did, I'd love it if you would leave a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at practicallyjoyfulmom, or you can send me an email at practicallyjoyfulmom at gmail.com. So glad we got to share this time together today. Thanks for choosing joy with me, friends.